0: Thanks, Marilyn. Well, <clears throat> as Marg said at the start, under a month to Christmas. A bit hard to believe in some ways, uh, although when I uh, was down the shops uh, during the week as I drove past and as I uh, went, went for a wander as well, uh, I could see Christmas decorations uh, up up and about. I could see the uh, uh, the Christmas uh, flower. I think it's typically called the, the red flower. What's it called? The point poinsettia I, I could see them uh, featured and uh, so y- you can see that the scene is beginning to be set for christmas now i'm jumping in a week earlier advent officially uh, begins next week uh next sunday but i'm getting in ahead um and uh, we haven't quite put up our christmas decorations at home yet sure they won't be far away and even at the church building uh the christmas decorations uh, won't be too far away either they, they will appear uh, soon uh Christine, they're in Christine's hands, and I tell you what, there's no better hands than Christmas decorations to be in than Christine's. So, uh, so you will be blessed with what appears uh, moving forward towards Christmas, even here at the church building. But today, we begin this series on setting the scene for Christmas, not just around us, not in our homes or even at the, at the church building, but in our hearts and lives. What does it look like? to set the scene for Christmas in our hearts and lives. How will you, how will I, over the month leading into Christmas, set the scene for Christmas in a God-honouring way? Now, that's what's most important, actually, about Christmas. That's what's most important, not just about the event of Christmas, but the lead into Christmas. It's a whole season. It's not just a day. That's the, And, and we, we should be embracing it. And to embrace it means not just to get busier, Typically, that's what can, can easily happen. You get the, the lead into Christmas gets busier and busier and busier. But that's, that's not what God calls us to. Neither does God calls us to embrace the consumer culture around us. Spend, spend, spend. That's not what God calls us to either. But God, God, what God calls us to is to be attentive to the things that matter most in the lead up to Christmas. So the Christmas story in the Bible is actually, uh, as I said, it's not just about a day. It's about much more than the manger scene. The manger scene is is described in Luke chapter 2, but the Christmas story is about much, much more than that. There's actually a whole backdrop to that. And there's a whole scene that is set leading up to that through through Luke chapter 1. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1 over these weeks ahead. And next week, like I said, we'll have... um, uh, Paul Manning from Baptist World Aid here, and uh, so he'll be speaking. But uh, but but the other weeks we'll be looking at, at different parts of Luke chapter one, leading up to and setting the scene for Christmas. And we begin today with what we discover from the lives of this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now they are not. The most prominent characters in the Christmas story. You may never have uh, even come across them or heard of them, or, or if you have, you might not know much about them. But, but they were they were key people in the Christmas story and in the lead up to the birth of the Saviour. And there's some great insights from their lives that uh, for us to uh, think about and uh, learn from as we prepare for Christmas. So, what can we learn from the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth? Well, to start with, we learn that they are faithful people. They are faithful people. Verses 5 and 6 in Luke chapter 1 describes to us, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And it goes on to say, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I recently read this definition of faithfulness or consistency and it says this faithfulness or consistency is doing something right not only once not just once but doing something right over and over and over again and if ever someone or a couple in the Bible did that it was Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were faithful and consistent followers of God. Now, when when you step back and think about it, and and look at the Bible as a whole, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of followers of God getting things wrong and not being faithful. In fact, Jesus's closest disciples they got it wrong all the time. They they, they wandered here, there, and everywhere. They didn't get it. And, uh, and, and right through the Bible, through God's people in the Old Testament, they wandered away, they got it wrong, they messed up, and over and over again, there are people in the Bible, plenty of examples of people not being faithful, but God, despite that, by his grace, redeeming and restoring them and, and using them in, in his purposes. But there are not many at all described like Zechariah and Elizabeth are here. As, uh, as as righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, just to help you to understand this as well, it wasn't over just a short period of time that they were faithful followers of God. It was over many, many years. the uh, the, the second part of verse seven goes on to say they were both very old. In other words, they'd been faithful followers of of God for uh, for 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 year, not just day after day or week after week, but year after year in in much of their lives over an extended season. They were faithful followers of God, and it wasn't just through times when all was well either. In fact, they they weren't just faithful when all was as they hoped for in their life. They were faithful to God. Through very, very difficult times that they lived in. As, uh, as, as verse uh, 5 that I read to you a moment ago describes, it was in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Herod, was, an e- Herod was, was the king and he was an evil king. And life was very, very difficult for followers of God during Herod's time. You think life's difficult for, uh, for followers of God today? you want to have lived in Herod's time <laughs> life during Herod's time was about as difficult as it gets for followers of God they were dark times and God even seemed to be silent the years between the Old Testament the end of the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament there, were, there was a span of 400 years where, where the Bible uh, tells us that, that, that people didn't hear from God. God even God was silent and in their personal lives too Life was very difficult for Zechariah and Elizabeth. We'll look at that closer in a moment. But in the midst of all of that, they were faithful followers of God. When all was far from what they hoped it to be, personally, in what was going on around them, and and in the challenges that followers of God faced during the, the times that they lived, they were faithful followers of God. I wonder what might it look like for each of us to be faithful followers of God, not only into this Christmas season ahead, but but in an ongoing way in the world that we live in, in the times that we live in, even when things aren't all that you would hope for them to be, even when you might wonder, where are you, God? Or what are you doing, God? Even when others around us might not be following in God's ways. What does it look like for you and I to be faithful followers of God? The example of Zechariah and Elizabeth is there to encourage and inspire us to learn more of what it means to be a faithful follower of God, even while we wait, even while we wonder, despite all that might be going on around us or within us. The second insight that we get from the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth, though, is that not only were they faithful followers of God, despite that, even though they were faithful followers of God, they were people who were at a barren place. They were at a barren place. During our, uh, our long service leave trip um, earlier this year, we came across some very barren places in the Australian outback. Uh, previously, we'd been across the Nullarbor, and there's plenty of barren places there, but uh, where we went to further north this time and, and, and up, um, uh, up into the outback, there were, there were many, many places without signs of life at all. Signs of uh, whether it be people or even animal or, or plant life, now, very little flora, very little fauna, barren places. But I want to suggest that the hardest place of all to be at in life is, is, not, is not in a barren place physically in the outback or, or somewhere, else, somewhere else, but it is to be at a barren place in your own life with an unfulfilled longing. Zechariah and Elizabeth were at that place and they experienced that. First hand, Luke, Luke describes it in verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Elizabeth and Zechariah carried with them the pain of not being able to have children. And that carried with it not only a, an internal pain for them but it carried with it a stigma in the, in the culture and the society that they were a part of. But I wonder what pain... Might you be carrying as you approach the Christmas season? It may not be in that way, but it might be in another way. What might be the barren place for you in your life where you long for something different to what is the reality? It could be an ongoing health challenge you face. It could be a family situation, it could be a work struggle, it could be a sense of vulnerability or pain over something that's, that's affected your life or the lives of, of, of your loved ones or in our broken world that isn't as you would hope for it to be. The Christmas season and the lead into Christmas can actually be a particularly difficult season for many. because of the barren places that people can find themselves at. And and sometimes that can be more pronounced leading into and around Christmas. Even as faithful followers of God, we're not immune from being at barren places. And and the example of uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah shows us that. But what we discover from their lives is that even at that place, we can encounter God afresh. Alongside our road trip during our, uh, our trip, we took a rail trip on the iconic Garn from Darwin to Adelaide. And early on in that trip, we unexpectedly found ourselves reconnecting with some friends uh, from Newcastle that we knew during our time in Newcastle uh, through uh, the, their son played cricket with our son. And we, we, we got to know each other pretty well during that time. And, and so it was just a, 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 an unexpected and yet a wonderful thing to be able to reconnect with, with them uh, a, across that trip. But even more incredible and even more wonderful is the way that Zechariah and Elizabeth would encounter God afresh, even in their place of barrenness, here in, as Luke describes. At verse 8 through to 13, this is what unfolded. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by light, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, All the assembled worshippers were praying outside. What happened? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. God met Zechariah where he was at in an unexpected way uh, through the angel. God revealed himself afresh to him and he spoke words of reassurance to him and, uh, and, and to Elizabeth out of that as well. And, uh, and, and he reminded them not only of God's plan for them to have a son, but of that son, John, to prepare the way for the Savior, the Messiah, God's son, in a bigger picture way. As the, as the verses that follow say, verse 14 through to 17, he, you, are to give, you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because, because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to do what? To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the, uh, to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This was a remarkable not only encounter with God but what God revealed during that encounter and reassured Zechariah of and, and through him Elizabeth. And in the Hebrew language, n- names had real meaning, names of people. Now, they, they still do, uh, but maybe not quite to the same degree uh, as, uh, as they did in Bible times. Uh, I know David has, has a certain meaning, but I don't even know what it is. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I don't know about you with your name, but with the name Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah meant the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. That, that's what Zechariah meant. And Elizabeth meant, my God is an absolutely faithful one. My God is an absolutely faithful one. So here as Zechariah is encountering the God that he'd been following and serving afresh, God was saying to him both, I remember Zechariah. I remember. And he was saying, as your God, I'm an absolutely Faithful one. They, they hadn't heard from God for, for years, hundreds of years, the people of God. All, all had seemed dark and, and, and despairing, and in their personal lives, things were far from what they, were, what they had hoped them to be with these unfulfilled longings. And God comes afresh, and, rever- and, 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 and they encounter God afresh, who reassures them, who reminds them that God remembers, that God is faithful not only to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but to all of God's people and the the Saviour was going to to come. I wonder, over the lead up to this Christmas, do you know that God is still the God who remembers? Do you know that God is still the absolutely faithful one? Is that real for you? No matter what, what, what difficult situation you may face, no matter what your circumstances might be, God is still the God who wants to reassure you God is still the God who wants to reveal himself afresh to you as the faithful one, as the God who remembers. And in the midst of all that you might long for in life, it is an encounter with God that we all need most of all. An encounter with the living and life-giving God. An encounter with the faithful God who remembers. An encounter with the God who can bring hope out of hopelessness an encounter with the god who can bring forgiveness who can bring healing and forgiveness to our hurts an encounter with the god who can bring fulfillment and and purpose to our days with the god who can bring joy to our hearts that is what the 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 the, the advent season and the christmas season is is about as 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 we begin to enter into it over coming days to 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 begin to ex- to experience a fresh what it means to, to know the joy of the Lord, to experience afresh, what it means to know the fulfillment and the purpose to our days that God came to bring, to know the healing and forgiveness for our hurts and to know the hope that, uh, that comes with, with the Saviour. It is such a wonderful thing to encounter God in our lives. When the, uh, If you've never encountered God for the first time, then, then you need to. And, and my prayer is that you will over this leading to Christmas. But uh, maybe you need to encounter God afresh. There is no better time than in the lead up to Christmas to encounter God either for the first time or afresh. How might God be getting your attention? How might God be nudging you or speaking to you so that you can encounter him afresh or for the first time, I wonder? Today or any day leading up to Christmas, at Christmas, or even beyond it let 's pray, God, we want to thank you that you are the God, not just of Christmas but of all that leads up to it. Indeed, you are the God of all of history. you have a bigger picture than we can than, than we do, and so God, we, we thank you that, that your plans and purposes uh, 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 do come to be. We thank you that you remember, we thank you that you don't forget. But you remember, and we thank you, that, that, you are not, uh, the, that you are faithful, that you are not a God uh, who, who chops and changes, but you are faithful in who you are. You're the life-giving God. You've given us life, given each of us physical life, but you also offer us life in every sense, spiritual life. You give us hope. You bring healing. You bring fulfillment still today just as you did long ago, as we encounter you for the first time or afresh. And so, God, we thank you that, um, that, that just as Zechariah did, that, uh, that, that you remember and that you are absolutely faithful, uh, just as you revealed to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, you remember your promises and you are absolutely faithful. You haven't forgotten us. You haven't forgotten our situations. You are attentive personally as well as to the bigger picture, and so my prayer is that each of us would would gain a fresh sense of this God that we worship this God that we that we gather to to acknowledge this God that is life-giving through the this Christmas season through the lead up to Christmas. My prayer is God that you would reveal yourself afresh to each of us, and that each of us would, uh, would encounter you afresh or for the first time as part of the Advent season that, uh, over these days and weeks ahead. May we discover the wonder of your work and the wonder of your words in life-giving ways that are transformative, that make, it, make such a difference to our lives, not only on this earth, but in, our eternal, in your eternal perspective and purposes. And so we ask all these things, in and through the life-giving, wonderful name of Jesus, who came to be our Saviour and our Lord.